You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkins, a writer for Windy City Gritter, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, part two the draft episode, my favorite thing to talk about, we're going to talk about cornerbacks, and one of your favorite things to talk about, this deep wide receiver class. So we are in it. Yeah, a little bit of yin and yang, right? We got uh, we got the folks that are trying to stop them and the folks that are trying to get it done in terms of scoring points. And both of those position groups are, I would say, surprisingly deep. Wide receiver, deeper, and definitely um, more talent at the top. But there's a there's a very nice crust of a few guys at the top of the cornerback rankings as well that we'll talk about so good position groups and you know it's bears over beers so we got to crack a couple beers to do it um i have i have a (laughs) i have a beer i have a complicated relationship with okay Uh, this is uh elysian brewing's men's room red so elysian one of the sort of seminal Northwest craft brew, independent brew houses, uh, was, was one of the most successful, most widely distributed. And then bump, 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 silently sold to Anheuser-Busch and, uh, (laughs) Seattle kind of instantly turned on their heel and said, nope, not into it. Uh, now lots of people have certainly gone back to drinking Elysian, me as well. I, I certainly don't purchase it very often because I really like the craft brew scene and Anheuser-Busch is, oh, you know, generally committed to annihilating it. Um, and that that's complicated for me, but the beer is good. Men's room, original red, uh, certainly available probably in your neck of the woods now too, because, uh, that's a good thing about Anheuser-Busch is lots of distribution, but 5.6 by volume. Um, I like it. It's amber. They say a light hop Arono with a toasty malt finish, which I think is a pretty apt description. What do you have? I've got a beer from my hometown, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It is called Lion Bridge Brewing Company. It's a really cool place for you guys are for some reason in Cedar Rapids or you're listening to it from Cedar Rapids. I really like this place to hang. It's got a nice outdoor place. On the bridges uh, in Cedar Rapids, there's these old lion statues um they're really cool cool. and so that's where the name comes from and their tagline is catalyst to conversation and community it's a really fun brewery when they first opened up they were doing a lot of different beers with like mushrooms uh in in them and they were they were really good like uh, they're four or five and tried them all and and, you know earthy of course but like really good i guess maybe you gotta like mushrooms but i do um, that is not what I have in a can here. I have something called Hellscape, which <laughs> to me is what the oh. Bears will be in if Jalen Johnson ever gets hurt this year. Because uh, cutting Kyle Fuller, 
has left the cornerback, the outside cornerback, uh, pretty thin. I, I'm really worried about the cornerback, uh, cornerback depth of this team, so Hellscape seemed like a pretty good uh, beer name. It is a Smoked Hells, or Hellas. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Hellas Lager. Hellas. For so sure. There we go. That's really interesting. I've never had a Smoked Hellas. I really like Hellas Lagers as a style, um, and I just immediately thought of Twitter when you said Hellscape, so... Oh, yeah. Well, that's just like a Tuesday on Twitter, but that's okay. Yeah, no, I need some of that because, A, I'm fascinated by the smoked Hellas uh, combination and, you know, Hellscape. Uh, you know, like you said, after a tough <laughs> Tuesday on Twitter, I might just need one. That's solid. I would, uh, first sip, I'm liking it. I would I would consider going back and getting a six-pack of it. So that, that's pretty good. I do like the brewery. It's a fun brewery. So. Let's get into these. Uh, let's get into these corners. So again, you cut Kyle Fuller, you cut CB one. You're hoping Jalen Johnson can come into his own. Obviously, he had a very good rookie year, but you're hoping that he can come into his own and step up to that CB one. He's already said that he, that's what he's focused on in this offseason. You hope that that shoulder's okay and that he can stay healthy. That's even more of a big deal, I think, right now is to to get him healthy and keep him healthy. And then you're going to be counting on some combination of a rookie draft pick or a Desmond Trufant or Artie Burns um, was the, the former Steelers pick who was hurt last year and we never got to see him. You're hoping for some combination of that to get you through a 17-game schedule. That's a lot of guys with injury history. And so I think that once you cut Kyle Fuller, that made cornerback arguably your most pressing need coming into this draft. Uh, and if you believe what Ryan Pace was saying, that, oh, I just, we, we did everything we could and we just, we had to do it, blah, blah, blah. I don't buy that BS. But once you made that decision to cut Kyle Fuller, um, that changed the landscape of, of what you were looking at on this roster. And so it would not surprise me if corner is something that they have a huge priority on in this draft and potentially something that they use pick 20 on. So where are you at with priority wise with corner in this draft i agree with everything you said you and i are in lockstep on kyle Furl being released the current depth at outside corner uh the priority to try and stop the pass in this league is high so yeah it feels like you really have to restock the cupboard that being said i would not be at all shocked if the bears don't pick a corner before the third round because everything about this offseason says we are devaluing the defense and we are shoving our chips to the offensive side of the board. They went after Kenny Galladay. Uh, you know, they ended up cutting Kyle Fuller. The, the rumor is that Akeem Hicks was on the trade block for Russell Wilson. Like, and the Bears have invested very, very heavily in defense. In terms of the offensive, defensive skew of their payroll, the defense wins out by far. And that'll probably still be the case this year, no matter who they pick up. Uh, because of guys like Mac and Eddie Jackson and, you know, Danny Trevathan and Robert Quinn are all guys that got paid and they are trying whatever they can, I think, to push chips from one side of the table to the other, because they have finally realized offense is the thing that is letting this team down. If they don't score points, they're not going to win. And they largely have seemed desperate and, in desperation, especially if you believe that this is Ryan Pace and Nagy's last ride, 
they're going to go get offense. So they're not picking a corner first, regardless. And I, just for the optics, they're not picking a defensive yeah. player first. So I, they're going to go get a wide receiver or, like we said, try and trade up for a quarterback or, or grab an offensive tackle. They're going to do whatever they can to bolster the offense. And then at some point, I think they probably dip back in. I think you're right, and I think it's even more so because they, they made that move to cut Kyle Fuller to turn around and use your top pick on a corner would just sort of be like admitting that you know that that's a mistake for this roster build. And so it, it does seem like it would be – I think it might be the smart thing to do, but I think it's something that we're probably not going to see. But if the Bears do go that direction at 20, there's, you know, everything I see about corners really does kind of have a top four for these boundary corners, these outside corners that you're, you're looking to replace Kyle Fuller with. Top four guys, Patrick Sertan from Alabama, J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Those guys, I think, on most boards are going before pick 20. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not usually available for the Bears on mock drafts and things like that. And then guys that you will see available around that pick would be Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech and Greg Newsom from Northwestern. So, again, maybe the Bears aren't going to go this direction, but those are names that I think we need to be familiar with if they do find value there at the corner position at, at pick 20. what Who do you like out of that group? What do you think fits this system best? I actually like all four of these corners. Um, not something I typically say. I, I definitely have a type at corner. Um, and it looks a lot like Kyle Fuller, strangely enough, because that's what works in the system. And that's the I loved his play style. I loved his processing. I loved his physical nature. Um, Patrick Sertan is so damn smooth. He never looks ruffled. And then he came out at his pro day and proved that he is a top-level athlete. RAS score up in the nines. And... You know, it looks like that on the field. He just never looks stressed. It doesn't matter. Short routes, down the boundary, in-breaking, out-breaking, press. He's one of the few uh, top corners in this draft, I think, looks pretty comfortable in zone right now. A lot of the college guys are really comfortable in man. And when they get to zone, they kind of do the old spot drop and look around thing, which is is not the ideal way to play zone in the NFL. Um, Patrick Sertan does not struggle there. Not surprising, right? This guy's received a master's degree in cornerback play around the kitchen table. His dad was an NFL corner and a very good one. Um, went on to play for, you know, Nick Saban at Alabama, who is a noted defensive and secondary specialist, uh, and has produced a ton of players in NFL secondary. So I love Patrick Sertan, great balance, good physicality, willing to support the run, tremendously skilled and calm player which is not something you don't typically call corner play boring um sertan almost gets it there he he's so smooth and so regular and so consistent uh that he is almost boring and i i I love that in a great way now jc horn also the son of an nfl player who was a wide receiver um i think he i could say i think that Patrick Stan is the best outside corner in this draft, and I could say that I think J.C. Horn is the best defensive matchup weapon in this draft, hmm. and both things would be true. Okay, um, I really see J.C. Horn like uh, Jalen Ramsey, and they move Jalen Ramsey all over that defense and say, take the top threat. I don't care if it's a receiving tight end. I don't care if it's Travis Kelsey. I don't care if it's their outside receiver. I don't care if it's their slot receiver. You go get that guy and erase him so we don't have to worry about it. And J.C. Horn has that kind of talent. He's physical. He's aggressive. uh, He is just so good in man. And he has the size 
to match up with almost anybody. He also has one of the craziest resumes coming out of college you've ever seen. He's faced all those guys that we're going to talk about at wide receiver and shut the wide majority of them down. They got nothing against him. It's a ridiculous resume. Um, My one knock against J.C. Horn is he really doesn't like to play against the run very much, um, especially if he's blocked. Now, that's weird because I said he's physical. He shows the ability to. You will see it occasionally, but in general on tape, he does not like to lay his pads in support of the run. That is not his deal. Normally, I will kill a corner for that. J.C. Horn is so versatile and so good and so tremendous at what you need in the NFL I can forgive it. And he is physical enough. It's not that he can't be physical. It's that he chooses not to against the run very often. He'll be physical against wide receivers and press. Um, He really doesn't fight very hard to get off blocks. Now, if he's free and somebody's coming at him, he can absolutely tackle him. It's just he chooses not to. That normally bugs the hell out of me. But again, his skills are so top level, I'm willing to give him a pass. Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. Great corner, one of the fastest players in this draft, a legitimate like 429 speed guy. Yeah, with size. Um, technique is not as good as Horn or Sertan. It's pretty good, but the bottom line is even if he screws up a little bit, his makeup speed is so ridiculous that he can still make the play. So it kind of sorta doesn't matter how you get there. Did have back surgery recently to repair a disc. Uh, recently, again, depending on who you believe, got cleared for that. Some teams, again, might have an issue about the medicals this year because they can't independently confirm that. Most reports are he's going to be healthy and ability to, uh, able to contribute in camp. I really like Farley's game. Again, good two-way corner, excellent coverage. Uh, will come forward and be physical and support the run. Uh, you hope that's the same way after the surgery as it was before. Very good player and worth easily, I would say, a pick at 20 if he was there. Yeah. Um, and then Greg Newsom is you know, very familiar to the Bears, plays uh, just right down the road, uh, if you're looking at it geographically at Northwestern. Um, wildly physically talented, really good athlete. Again, six foot, good size, um, super aggressive, uh lippy (laughs) loves to tell people about it as does horn um and shocker given his uh his pedigree yeah and uh, (laughs) yeah crazy right uh but newsom is just wildly talented athletically he looks like he's all over the place sometimes but it's just so physical and so fast um and he really believes he has that alpha mentality. He is the best corner in the draft. I doubt you could tell him otherwise. Um, and he might be right. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's the fourth out of four, but not by much. Um, and again, if the Bears were looking to fill the hole and Greg Newsom was there, sometimes, like you said in mock drafts, all four of these players are off the board before twenty. Sometimes you see one of them. It is usually either Farley or Newsom. You very rarely see Sir Tanner Horn drop that far. Um, And I don't think they will in real life, but any one of these four, definitely a great pick for the bears. If they were going to choose to go that direction, I just don't think they will. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I I have seen Newsom a lot. That's, that's kind of the guy that seems to, if, if uh, someone who's making a a mock draft up uh, wants to fill that cornerback spot, that's generally the guy that's available. Sertan just is too good. He's he's just not going to come anywhere near twenty. He's just he's too polished. Uh, I think he's a cowboy. I think that's one of the you know when you're going through and slotting things in, that's like one of the clearest like 
if Dallas doesn't trade and they stay there, like Pat Sertan's going to Dallas. Makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about guys that are more middle of the draft, maybe even a little later. Uh, some guys that will potentially see the Bears look at once they have filled some offensive positions. And so uh, we got another Stanford guy. So Stanford's got some prospects in this draft that we've already talked about. So uh, Paulson Adebo. Yes, Paulson Adebo, you nailed it. Did not play. He was an opt-out in 2020. You go back to his 2019 tape, and some of it is breathtaking, and I mean in a good way. Uh, he is, again, guy with great size. Normally, we struggle to get guys over six foot that play well at corner. There's always a sort of premium on that size at boundary corner. There's a ton of them in this draft, and Paulson Adebo's crazy athletic, really smooth, um, some tremendous reps against the pass in 2019. You go back and look at that tape, and you just kind of hope people forgot about it a little bit, the out of sight, <laughs> out of mind thing, right? because um, he didn't play any downs in 2020. Um, but so we're denied that last year of development to see if he was going to continue to ascend or level off or, or maybe even regress, who knows, but... Uh, tantalizing tape in 2019 from Paulson Adebo has all the skills you need from a boundary corner so he's probably going to go no later than the end of the third just based on size speed skill uh the tape he put up again a year ago um he's going to be in high demand all right a couple of guys from the big 10 so you've got a guy from Michigan and a guy from Minnesota what can you tell us about the big 10 corners which always worries me a little bit you're oh, for sure. But, but you know, you can't necessarily just take them off the board just because they played in the Big Ten. But, you know, <laughs> generally, like, you want your corners from the SEC. But uh, let, let's talk about these Big Ten corners. Yeah, Ambry Thomas is another opt-out guy from Michigan and, again, has some of those plays where you go back and you look and you go, oh, man, I wish this guy had another year of film because that's amazing. Tall, athletic, rangy. I know this is starting to sound like a broken record. Um, really pretty good hands, and you don't see that from um, a lot of corners in general. Uh, but I would put him a tick below Paulson Adebo in, in sort of the smoothest, but that athletic, rangy frame, his ability to jump routes, that click and close, at, again, size over six foot. Um, Ambry Thomas is a guy that's very intriguing. Will be later than a guy like Paulson Adebo, probably in the same neighborhood as his Big Ten neighbor, Benjamin St. Justy from Minnesota. It's a guy that went to the Senior Bowl, played pretty well, has good size, 6'2", in between 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds, can turn and run, better a straight down the boundary corner, not as good on crossing routes, but... Uh, again, that is a system that Sean Desai has shown in the past, um, uh, sort of that match zone where you're where you're looking at, you know, holding your boundary. And, and if he goes deep, he's yours. If he cuts short inside, he's somebody else's. I could see Benjamin St. Jesse doing really well in that system. Um, not as quick uh, as the other two, but still a great athlete, very smooth and tremendous length at 6'2", uh, almost 6'3". If uh, do you see the possibility of any one of those guys coming in and winning cornerback two from day one, or are these guys that you see kind of working in maybe hopefully by the middle of the season? I would say midseason for most of them. Again, two guys were opt outs. You hope that they continue to train, but just less reps um, than two veterans uh, that are on the team right now. But a guy like Adebo could start to win that job. And again, very possible. You said it at the top that injury rears its ugly head and they're forced into service. Uh, 
I would stack them in that order, Adebo, Thomas, and then St. Justy in terms of their sort of uh, readiness, although the last two are grouped a little bit closer. Adebo, I'd say, has a has a good lead on both. But I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't feel super secure because, look, being a corner in the NFL is always hard. Being a rookie corner is not great. Uh, and you are gonna you are gonna get your comeuppance for sure. You're gonna have those welcome to the league moments, and it's it's worse when it's on Sundays. But these are potential building blocks that you could get in the second or third round that could help you rebuild that depth. Because right now you are one decent injury away from from starting Artie Burns outside, and I don't want to see that. No, I, I mean I don't either. I'm a little worried about <laughs> the fact that they brought him back just because. I think that they know that they're they're pretty thin right now. But what about just like a late round guy? Anybody that's kind of caught your eye that maybe there's not a lot of buzz about that maybe one of those six rounders could be used on? Yeah, local guy to me, Keith Taylor Jr. out of Washington. Big guy, not super fast, probably runs in the four sixes, but has good length. And I think his game is really similar on tape when I look at it to a guy like Benjamin St. Justy. Not quite as tall, very good pressing people against the boundary. Um has some good tape, but not great tape. And everything I see on him says fifth or later. And uh, a lot of uh, boards have him going undrafted. And I think his tape is better than that. Again, I think you can work with what he's got. Size doesn't have great speed, but you know there are big corners in the league that don't have great speed that are really good. Richard Sherman uh, is not overly fast very smart and i'm not saying that keith taylor jr is richard sherman but you can work with that combination of traits and be very successful in the nfl all right so that's outside corners to kind of keep your eye on i think that we're gonna skip slot corners because the bears have invested there over the last couple of drafts and i have to think that ryan pace is going to just kind of push that issue and hope that he can get starting reps out of either or both of Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor. Um, those two guys are still on the roster. They're drafted, obviously, for development and for to take over that spot. So out of those two guys, I mean, it seemed like uh, Kendall Vildor may have been a little ahead last year uh, of Duke Shelley, but both of those guys are going to come in and compete for that for that job now that Buster Screen is not a, no longer on the team. And I just not sure that they're going to spend another, certainly not a premium draft pick, but another draft pick on another slot corner. Yeah, I think if they did, you're right, they would do it lower down. They have been doing that somewhat consistently. Duke Shelley, not a high round pick. Kendall Wilder, not a high round pick. Neither played great. I really liked Shelley's tape and I hoped he would come in and sort of blow the doors off. But that's a lot to ask of any later round pick. Um, Kendall Wilder, I was not as big a fan of, but like you said, I think he played a little bit better than Shelley last year. If you're just purely going off tape on the field. So I hope one of those guys establishes them themselves. If not, there are options in this draft, you know, they're probably going to be using six round picks on them because they don't have those sort of mid round picks again. And are you going to get anybody that's a slot corner in the sixth round? That's going to come in and like <laughs> start from day one. Again, that's a lot to ask from a six-round pick. You're really talking about guys that could come in rotationally or be special teamers at that time. Um, the idea that you're going to get a starting slot corner that far down is not realistic. No, I don't, I don't think so either. All right, so that that's where we're at with corner. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into the wide receiver targets. So stick with us. 
All right, wide receiver, EJ. I know that you like talking about wide receivers. Maybe not as much as running backs, but wide receivers are pretty fun. This is a deep draft. It was a deep draft last year. Might be a little bit of a trend going on. A lot of seven-on-seven camps are finally getting to the point where these guys have been catching footballs. A lot of footballs over the years, they're, they're more refined or coaches are finding ways to use them a little better. The Bears obviously could use more wide receiver talent. They have a uh, franchise tag on Allen Robinson, so he is secured to play unless they end up trading him for some reason. Um, He is secured to play here in 2021, but his future with the Bears is up in the air and unknown, and you would have to think that he's either looking to get the bag or to go out in free agency next year and find that bag. So the Bears might be looking at a wide receiver core moving forward that doesn't have Allen Robinson in it. So you might want to find a way to replace Allen Robinson. So you're looking for an outside guy. You've got Darnell Mooney. He looks good. We like Darnell Mooney. I don't know that Darnell Mooney is the guy that I want to be wide receiver one. You've got, uh, you know, pretty much question marks after that. There's some talk about Anthony Miller getting shipped off probably during the draft, uh, which to me says that he might be used in a way to move up into the draft and who knows if you'll even get an actual pick out of it it may be a pick swap situation where you send him to somewhere like new england or something like that you know again we like miller when he was coming out but he just hasn't shown the consistency and obviously his decision in the playoff game to react like he did (laughs) take the bait uh especially after what happened in the first round uh with his teammate javon wims and and i'm sure that got coached into it he has lost the trust of this coaching staff and probably wasn't on very good footing anyway going into that game and so i don't think that anthony miller is probably going to be a chicago bear for very much longer and so you have a pretty thin wide receiver core to begin with and so there are some guys that The Bears will have to spend an early pick on if they want the services of some of these guys. But this is a deep class again. And so you could find some talent in the second, third rounds, but all the way down like they did last year where, you know, there are guys where if you see something in a trade in a guy, you could be talking about another Darnell Mooney situation where you're bringing in a guy with a later pick who can contribute. And so this is this is a pretty exciting class, and I think this might just keep happening. And so maybe there's a point where there's a devaluation of wide receivers where you don't have to spend high picks. But we're going to go through kind of with the same trend here. We're going to go through outside guys that you're going to have to spend high picks on, and then we're going to go and get into some value. So, all right, you've got three guys listed. Terrence Marshall out of LSU, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Which of those guys do you think I like the best? Um, Bateman. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, why? <laughs> tell, tell me about these three guys. I, I think you like him best because he came from Minnesota. Well, I don't like Minnesota necessarily. I just I like the fact that he looks like the most polished route runner of the three. Yeah, and he often gets compared to Allen Robinson, so that was right. my that was my cue. Um, now the Bears wide receiver core. I, I say the Bears need wide receiver, and people kind of go, "Yeah, like I guess or a little." And the way I see it is very much the way you laid it out. Like you've got Allen Robinson on a franchise tag, and you got Darnell Mooney, and that's it. That's your wide receiver core. Like, and 
it's the it's the modern NFL. You need at least three good wide receivers, probably four, for the offense that Matt Nagy wants to run. And you have one right now. Like this year, they'll have Allen Robinson, and you'll have Darnell Mooney. By all <laughs> by all accounts and purposes, we could we could see something happen there. But like Mooney's really good, and you said, hey, we might find another Darnell Mooney down in the draft. Chicago should be so lucky. Mooney is really good, can play inside, can play outside. But that's it. Miller's going to go. Wims is not in this team's future. Ridley's done nothing, although I really like him. Uh, They did go out and get Marquise Goodwin. They signed Marquise Goodwin, and I think he's a solid veteran option. But again, not anybody that's going to keep you from drafting a talent like Marshall or Bateman or Smith. So you're really looking at like three guys, and I think they did it to take pressure off the draft to say, hey, we have another pro in the building that we can start outside slide moon to the slot if we need to um which to me sort of shows the intention of not spending the top pick on a wide receiver although any of these three guys would be worth it terrace marshall is is the is the second fiddle to jamar chase the arguable number one wide receiver in this draft and marshall is big and fast and really skilled and i've said before this duo reminds me of the whole dk metcalf aj brown uh pairing at ole miss and everybody was like dk metcalf dk metcalf and a lot of people were like yeah have you seen this other guy this this brown guy like he's he's good and i look at marshall very much the same way i think marshall can be an a number one outside big athletic go get it wide receiver um he's shown that on tape people are starting to get wise to that but i don't think he makes it out of the high second round so again that means if the bears were to pick him it would be with their first pick if they stay put bateman well chronicled uh very good route runner physical showed that he was fast enough at his pro day and, and again on film really you're he's running in that sort of four or five range i know he ran faster than that at the pro day but that's what you need that's like functional nfl wide receiver outside speed again when you're big physical can go get a ball uh use your body to shield defenders you run very good routes like he has all of that stuff so um if bateman is still there i don't think he'll probably make it past the ravens um that would be a decent pick. And then Devonta Smith. People are people are all over about Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith is a damn good wide receiver. I see the second coming of Marvin Harrison in Devonta Smith. I don't care about his size. Nick Saban used him on special teams, for God's sake. You don't use somebody you think is brittle on special teams. He was a punt gunner and a good one. He's got really long arms, runs tremendous routes. Again, he's in the SEC against some of the best cornerbacks over the last three years in the entire country. He beat him then. He's going to beat him in the league too. Devonta Smith is going to be just fine. So those are three guys that would be sort of A1 premium picks that you would spend 20 on if they're there uh, that would really shore you up and sort of build the future for whatever happens after Allen Robinson and make sure that you are not bereft of what is a very valuable position in the modern NFL. Yeah, it's hard to even see if the Bears were to like, I, again, I don't think Ryan Pace has this in him, but if they were going to trade out of the first round to try to get some more picks and they got, you know, a high two and, you know, another two or whatever it is to try to make that happen, it's hard to see even some of these guys slipping in even into that top of the second round because they are so talented. I mean, we're talking about first round wide receivers here. There's obviously a lot of talent. Yeah, Bateman's just the guy that, I don't know. He just, to me, I like a guy that understands route running, 
come in right away. That to me is what Matt Nagy wants. Matt Nagy wants a guy that understands how to run precise routes. I think other systems might. I mean, any system you could say would would like that, but I think a lot of systems are looking to just try to get a guy the ball in space and what you know they're they're looking for run after the catch type stuff. That's not really Nagy's system. Seems like he's he's really interested in guys running precise routes. Obviously, Miller couldn't stand up to that, and so I think that when they're looking for guys that can be successful, looking at how successful Allen Robinson has been in the system, you look for a guy that has a similar trait. To me, Bateman looks like the guy for that. But I'm probably taking a tackle if if Pace is calling me. Uh, and say, Jeff, break the tie. Uh, you know, who, who do you want? I'm going to say, yeah, let's, let's take the big guy. So uh, let's let's talk about slot guys, though, because I think you can make the case that you want to keep Mooney on the outside and add some, uh, you know, someone to the slot, which is where you thought that maybe Miller was going to take over. And again, don't think Miller's going to be in the future. So there's a couple of interesting guys in the slot that could be uh, useful in that premium pick range. Yeah, a pair of Moors, Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore. And I was listening to you talk about people who run precise routes. And I was like, well, your check's in the mail. That's the best segue ever because Elijah Moore (laughs) out of Old Miss is one of my favorite players in this draft, regardless of position. He carves people up. He is a surgeon. And again, playing in a very competitive conference, he still carves people up. You watch top corners against Elijah Moore. He wins as many as he loses and usually more. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, woof. Yeah, no, Elijah Moore, just a very solid wide receiver. And if Nagy wants a guy who can run precise routes, Elijah Moore fits the bill. If he wants the other thing, getting the ball in space to a guy and watching him be electric and make yards after the catch, that's the Rondell Moore. That's the Purdue version. Um, Rondell Moore is really short, incredibly well built, um, just packed muscle in a very short frame. I think he's 5'9", but barely so. And just a burner with the ball in his hands. He can create in the open field. He is very productive and uh, would would generate a very different element if Nagy wants that sort of, you know, get him the ball and, and see if we can catch lightning in the bottle. That's, that's Rondale. If you say, no, Elijah, I need you here now. And then, yeah, you can outrun some people. That's awesome. Perfect. So either one of these guys would work, but it is sort of, uh, two different flavors, let's put it that way. Yeah, my sense is that Nagy likes the route runners. And you know, Elijah Moore has been a guy that I've uh, kind of turned to as well and listening to all these different podcasts and all these different people talk about. Anytime someone says something like that, you know, carving people up, hmm, hmm, that, that goes uh, in my notebook. <laughs> as some, hmm, Let's make sure that we remember that. So, I, and again, maybe Nagy sees things differently and can see value in different guys, but and, and I understand that. It's just from what I've seen of what Nagy wants, um, he, he wants somebody who wants to be in that spot at that point, uh, and, and please don't be a step ahead or behind. And so, to me, I, I really like Elijah Moore out of those two. But what about middle rounds? Uh, talking about same thing, outside and slot, but let's start with the outside I'm seeing Tennessee, Clemson, Florida State, Florida. So, you know, pretty pretty normal for where you find speed and, and wide open games and wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. Especially Florida. Florida is the football hotbed of talent. Um, there's actually seven guys in this draft. So one draft class, seven guys that went to the same 
high school. Doesn't make any sense. In Florida. If you run the numbers on that just from making high school to presumably Division One ball and then going to the NFL, the percentages go down precipitously every step of the way. To have seven guys in the same draft class that went to the same high school, the numbers are astronomical. Guess where the high school was? Florida. <laughs> Florida. Yep. Yep. Plantation High School in Florida. So the middle rounds, chock full of talent. Josh Palmer is terribly underrated. We talked about all these top corners at the top of the podcast. Josh Palmer's faced them all. He's 14 of 14 in deep ball situations against those guys. Yeah, all of a sudden you go, huh, and had a great senior bowl, had really good tape, and I kept making notes like, you know, why isn't this guy, like, top 10? Like, he's big, played at a big school, had success against tremendous corners. He runs a varied route tree, not the most varied route tree, but a varied route tree. He's not a one-route guy by any stretch. Um, Loved an interview I heard with him last week. Uh, and their wide receivers coach, uh, who is a former NFL player as well said, look, uh, you know, X's don't get drafted. Z's don't get drafted. Wide receivers get drafted. Go, go be versatile, move around, make plays all over the field. That'll get you drafted. Don't be like, I'm the best X, right? Uh, and I just love that approach of I'm here to play wide receiver. You want to put me as a big slot, go for it. But I think naturally Josh Palmer fits outside. And I think not a lot of people are talking about him in that range and kind of that top 10 or 12 range. Most, most lists I see him on, he's down in the 120 range overall, you know, which means you could get a real value with a guy like Josh Palmer. Another guy like that's even farther down the board whose tape uh, based on whose tape, I don't understand that is Cornell Powell. And, you know, this is one of Trevor Lawrence's guys at Clemson, um, little bit shorter, but completely, uh, power pack of guy really well built. Um, again, not the most varied route tree, but explosive, powerful, great hands, made plays productive. And I kept writing my notes. Like, why is nobody talking about Cornell Powell? Same thing. Went to the senior bowl lit guys up and the funny thing is i pulled up the ras scores between palmer and powell and they look like the same guy so much so that i put out a tweet like two weeks ago that said has anybody ever seen these two in the same place at the same time because i think they might be the same guy just switching helmets um both tremendously good receivers but josh palmer's in the sort of 120 range sometimes i see cornell powell in the 220 range which i think is insane i think he's probably in the you know, 130 to 160 range and still a great value there. A guy that could come in and take starting reps, um, again, because of his experience, his production, where he played, who he played against. Um, Tamorian Terry, guy from Florida State, um, didn't have great tape this last year, didn't play all of his games healthy, had a knee issue. I think it was meniscus, um, still played. But if you look at 2019, when Florida State, uh, if you're looking at like Cam Akers tape, scouting their running back, you kept seeing this guy run nine routes, catch basketballs, and just go for, go for touchdowns. That's Tamorian Terry. Uh, he's uh, almost 6'4", 6'3", like 217. Um, tape is full of nine routes. Does not have great route diversity, but does have positional versatility he plays special teams this is your guy jb this is cordero patterson 2.0 he is vicious as a gunner gets doubled all the time fights through it still the first guy down to make the tackle and then occasionally you line him up as wide receiver three and say 
go straight. <laughs> just go beat that guy. And he can. Right. Um, so I, I think he's a very polarizing player. I've heard all kinds of uh, things from the medical, from the route diversity. Now, he can't do anything but, you know, catch over the shoulder balls. That's not true. He can. There's not a ton of it on his tape, but he can do it. Um, I love Tamori and Terry. I think he probably goes in about the 130 range. Typically, you won't see him there uh, on mock draft boards. It'll be lower. Uh, I've seen him as low as like the fifth round. I don't think in reality he he goes that far down after people have seen his tape. And then the last guy is purely just like height, weight, speed. Um, he's very productive in Florida's offense. This is one of Kyle Trask guys. Uh, his outside guy, uh, Trayvon Grimes. And uh, Grimes is not getting anywhere near uh, the press, the talk that he should because he is a freak. Uh, 6'4", fully 220 pounds, vertical jump, 35 inches, three cone of flat seven seconds ran a flat four five and his 10 yard split was 1.57 at 220 pounds yeah like there's linebackers that don't run that fast and he can catch it's not just that he's some great athlete like Trayvon Grimes made a bunch of plays in Florida's off like because this class is so loaded because there are so many guys and so many types and so many you know guys that are electric with the ball in their hands a guy that's 6'4", 220, ran a 4'5 flat is getting like, I mean, nobody's talking about Trayvon Grimes. And I would love for him to come in, slot outside. I can see A-Rob on one side, Trayvon Grimes on the other, Mooney in the slot. Like, let's go. <laughs> do you think, uh, going back to Powell from Clemson, do you think that there is sort of this reverse thing with Lawrence where everybody's giving credit to wide receivers making plays to Trevor Lawrence's aura. And so they're just not like giving these guys any sort of, you know, proper credit or do you think, um, it, why, why is a guy like that being overlooked? I don't know. And a lot of times JB is because of the other two thirds, right? We get to see their tape. We get to see their measurables, but we don't get to see their sort of personality, their makeup, their work ethic, and then all the off the field stuff. Sure. Right. Were they a good student? Did they pay their library fines? Do they have DUIs? What did their high school coach say about them? And the league gets all of that stuff in depth. Um, maybe a little less this year than normal because scouts couldn't be on the road as much. But they have all that stuff. And a lot of times this happens to folks like myself who only have access to tape. And you're looking at a guy and you're saying, man, that people are saying this guy's a fifth round player. He's got first round tape. What in the world? And, you know, usually I don't find it out within the same draft cycle, but like at the beginning of this draft cycle, I had some tape watching parties with, with folks I know. And, uh, sure enough, a couple beers in, you start talking about the last draft cycle and you're like, man, I loved blank from blank. Like what happened to him? They're like, Oh, I, I could see how that might turn a few teams off. Like some teams wouldn't care. Some teams would be like, we're not bringing that guy in our building. But if you look at his tape, he's carving people up in a, in a very powerful conference. So a lot of times we don't know about that stuff, but there is some of that, that Clemson was so powerful and had enough firepower on offense that Powell is certainly not the brightest star in the sky. But when you go back and focus on just him, guy made a lot of plays. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm pretty. I'm gonna mark down your Tamori and Terry from Florida State as the potential Cordell Patterson replacement because 
it was sad to see him go. And I know that Bears Twitter kind of, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of overreaction right now because I think there's just some general, you know, uh, angst about everything. And, and I understand. And then there's a lot of people being like, why are you freaking out about a special teamers uh, leaving? Who cares? And it's like, this is a dude, man. Like, this is a, the, like, the, the kick return game was nothing. He came in, he solved it. He made two first team all pros doing just that was an absolute stud as a gunner and was great in the locker room. And this is a guy that went on and signed a one-year, $3 million contract. I mean, you know, again, opportunity costs. You make some mistakes. And again, I know COVID messed up the cap and everything, but that cost the Bears the opportunity to bring a guy like him back, which I think is really important to the locker room. That will be missed. You will miss the kick return ability. You will miss the gunner ability and the special team stuff. But you're also going to miss the guy in the locker room. And so you're going to have to find ways to replace some of that production and hopefully some of that personality. Yeah, absolutely. And Tamorian Terry was a guy I came to a little bit later in the process, but I literally wrote your name down next to his because (laughs) I was like, I was about, you know, I don't know, two thirds through one of the tapes and here comes a punt rep. And I'm like, what in the world is he? Oh no, this he's, his team's punting. He's, you know, you're thinking, okay, he's six, three, almost six, four, like two fifty. He's got to be a gunner, right? There's no place else you're going to put that guy. Sure enough, he's, you know, battling guys down the sideline, throwing them a little jab step. And then he's coming in and whacking people because he's fast. And I was like, oh, JB's going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. What about middle round values in the slot? What guys do you got for that? Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are very um, proficient in playing slot receiver in this draft. And I know a lot of people are going to want to want me to say something about Dwayne Eskridge. Um, not on my list. I think he's a good player. Um, not my favorite, but we're going to go back to Clemson with Amari Rogers, a guy that had a tremendous senior bowl and has cooled a little bit since then. Um, I think the only thing that might work against him being a bears selection is he reminds me a lot of Tariq Cohen in the fact that they worked him out as a running back because he's very solidly built at his pro day. He is a very good slot receiver, burned everybody at the Senior Bowl, won almost every rep, again, in a very sort of workman-like fashion. Not super flashy, just highly effective. And the idea that he's got that versatility is great, but I think the Bears specifically might look at Tariq Cohen, who they just re-signed, and say, that's pretty much the same thing. Do we want the same guy? Um, That being said, Mari Rogers, very talented guy. Um, Jalen Darden is next on my list from North Texas, the mean green. Um, he is smaller and completely electric. He is a guy that brings punt return ability, but as a wide receiver, I have a collection of stills on my computer, uh, called yes, indeed he scored. Uh, (laughs) and it's him surrounded by like three guys at the 10 yard line looking like there's no way and he scored easily he just is incredibly slippery has tremendous acceleration does not have great size but is one of those guys has very sure hands um in terms of taking a ton of hits i don't want to see that but again as a third or fourth wide receiver in the slot who's largely tough to get your hands on in the first place he doesn't take a lot of banger hits so he's a guy that could come in and I think he'll be drafted pretty high because he provides special teams ability um, and some electricity, some vertical electricity to pass a game. 
And the last guy I have is a guy that nobody's talking about, Shai Smith out of South Carolina. South Carolina does a great job producing slot receivers. They produce these really athletic, solidly built slot receivers, and Shai Smith is next in line. A ton of production, very strong hands, uh, not a huge profile. Like I said, nobody's nobody's talking about Shai Smith. He's going to be a value in the later rounds, probably even fifth or sixth, and could come in and... Uh, no pun intended, slot right in and start producing for a team like the Bears. All right, what about any guys that you've seen that you think like, well, again, Bears have three six-rounders. Any guys that have kind of caught your eye as potential late-round flyers? Yeah, all the time because you're in the mock draft. If you're one of those people that doesn't trade back um, or try and upgrade those six-round picks as the Bears, you get there, there's like four you know, picks in the two hundreds and you're, you're coming through the bottom of every, every position, just looking for value. Typically you're going lottery, height, weight, speed, somebody that can give you special teams value. But again, if you're the bears, you might be looking for that second wide receiver, or maybe if that tackle slipped, you're looking for that second tackle that might be something after a year or two on the practice squad. So Frank Darby is a guy at Arizona state that caught my eye when I was scouting, uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who ended up in oh, San Francisco, okay. right? And Ayuk makes all kinds of plays. But if you're watching Ayuk's tape, who's that guy on the other side? It was Frank Darby. Frank Darby is not going to blow you away physically, but he had a very good 2019. He had a bunch of big catches, averaged something like 15, 16 yards a catch in 2019, playing opposite a guy like Brandon Ayuk. So that tells you he's got some juice. And I think the league is higher on Darby than than draft media. Um, Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State, height, weight, speed guy, 6'3", 219. Very good sense of tracking the ball in the air downfield, so he is a deep threat. Um, not tremendous speed, but tremendous body control downfield. One of those guys that just always seems to come up with even the poorly thrown balls. And then Tyler Vaughn's this is another opposite. Uh, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown is the guy that's going to get drafted up high out of USC. And again, watching USC offense tape, who's that guy that keeps making plays? Oh, is that? No, that's not St. Brown. That's that's Tyler Vaughn's like, again, I was waiting for his pro day and he, he didn't run super well. Again, his athletic testing doesn't really show you anything. His production's not like off the charts, but a couple of games that I was watching at USC, here comes Tyler Vaughn's just making plays left and right. And there are those guys that they're not the most physically talented, but they're super productive. And I think Tyler Vaughn's is one of mine way down the board. Nobody's going to be fighting for Tyler Vaughn's. And then the smaller guys, if you're looking for that electricity and and later on down, guys like Tutu Atwell from Louisville, who is tiny. I think Tutu Atwell is like 157, um, but just jitterbug really hard to catch. And then Demetric Felton, who's a guy that played running back for UCLA for a couple of years, but went to the Senior Bowl and they said, hey, can you, can you play wide receiver? He said, sure, because UCLA is somewhat famous for using their running backs and wide receivers interchangeably and smoked everybody at the senior bowl on on offline releases off press um didn't test very well tested really poorly as a matter of fact but if again you go back to those senior bowl reps against top competition he was roasting people off the line nobody could cover him and 
again, he's new at the wide receiver position. He has way more snaps at running back. And again, that sounds like a guy that's already on the Bears, uh, but is going to be available late because that pro day testing, I think a lot of people were waiting uh, to see what his athletic numbers was were after that great senior bowl and he just bombed his athletic testing and in some team's eyes as a late round pick that's going to drop him he's going to be there yeah okay all right so that's that's the wide receiver group so we've talked about quarterbacks we've talked about offensive linemen specifically tackles and centers we've talked about corners and we've talked about wide receivers so this is the last part of our draft coverage i'm going to ask you Bears, let's say they stick. They don't trade up or down in their first three picks. So first round, second round, third round, day one, day two. What do you think Ryan Pace could realistically get out of those three picks? And what would make you the most happy? So put like a couple names and positions to those three picks. Sure. I'd be very sad like you if they came out of those three picks without a tackle. And I would take one of those tackles in the first two rounds unless they had a very specific guy like Brady Christensen that they thought they could get in the third. But I wouldn't wait. I think it's too important to the success and the offensive health, which really seems like the way they're pushing their chips in. So either first round or second round, I'm getting an offensive tackle. If it's first round, I'd be super happy with Tevin Jenkins, be satisfied with Derisaw, um, you know. Sam Cosme is a guy that we talked about. I I would be okay with him at 20, but it would be a little bit early. I would be great with him at 52, but I don't think he'll be there. So I would love to see um, offensive tackle first round. And then second round, I would be thoroughly happy with a big corner that slid. Or if Creed Humphrey is on the board at 52, I would double up. I would go tackle and Creed Humphrey at center and your line is set, and you can kind of figure the rest out. Um, And then with uh, the third pick, I would probably go for one of those uh, larger corners or a wide receiver. Um, I, I think you can get wide receivers down through the board, but again, there's a big gap after that third round pick, so you're really going to drop off the shelf talent-wise. I might even switch the center, depending on how good they feel about Sam Mustafer, take the sort of best remaining wide receiver in in round two and and maybe try and get a center like uh josh myers in round three um but if they went center and they went wide receiver i'd be looking for you know it seems like maybe a little bit early for terry or powell but i would be happy with either of those guys if josh palmer's there i'd be thoroughly happy with that um and i think that'd be great to come out of one two and three with offensive tackle like let's just say tevin jenkins round two Maybe you get lucky and Creed Humphrey slides down to the 50s. I don't I don't think he does, but maybe he does. You, that'd be a tremendous value pick. So you come out with Jenkins and Creed Humphrey in one and two. Your line is set. And then you grab a guy like Powell or Tamorian Terry or somebody like Ambry Thomas or Paulson Adebo if he slides down to the third yeah, to, to jack up that outside corner rotation. I would be, I would be like, sitting back in my chair hands up saying that's pretty good the only thing that would be better than that to me is and you made this impossible in the rules is trading down in the first and stacking some picks for that big gap because bears fans are not going to be happy after the third round pick there is a there is a desert between their third round pick and where they pick up again down in the six it's 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 a long wait (laughs) 
And just a reminder, the fourth round pick was traded for uh, Mr. Gibson. So that pick will be made by the Vikings uh, because Ryan Pace traded this year's fourth for last year's fifth to be able to get back into that round and, and take Gibson's. So though. That's, uh, that's where that went. That is not the... That is not the Nick Foles pick. That was last year's fourth round pick. Just make sure that everybody knows. Just keep it, uh, just keeping the pick, pick shuffle straight for everybody. I yes. appreciate that, yes. JB. That's a public service announcement. Yes. So every time someone says, "Well, Ryan Pace drafts really well," and you know those middle rounds, those fourth round picks are money, and then those same people say, "Who cares that he traded next year's fourth round? It's just the fourth round pick." Those guys seem to be the same guys on Twitter. I'm just saying stop <laughs> trading future capital because then when you come into a draft like this where you're like, oh, man, we could really use those picks, you don't have them. So yeah. there will be a gap unless uh, – And you're going to see Pace. a lot of good players at positions that we didn't talk about that the Bears do have needs at, like inside linebacker. They need a backup sure. for, for Danny. He's aging. Um, you're going to see like all the Ohio State linebacking core go off in those picks. You're going to see guys like Tony Fields from West Virginia go off in those picks, and you're going to be like, oh, come on. And that's where it went, and that's what it means for a team like the Bears, which is why a trade down would be awesome, but neither one of us expect that to happen with Ryan Pace, especially in a sort of hot seat year. If anything, we see pushing all the picks in the middle of the table and going for one guy, which seems incredibly dangerous, but somewhat more likely given history. Yeah, if you believe in Ryan Pace as a good drafter, you should want Ryan Pace to have more draft picks. That is going to be more beneficial in the long run is for him to have more shots, more bites at the apple. If you think your guy's not very good, but he's better at free agency or or whatever, then take the Rams approach where they trade their first round picks for proven talent. But if you're if you believe in Ryan Pace, and there are some still out there that believe that he's really good at picking, you want him to have more picks. And there is one way that happens in this draft that we haven't really talked about. We talked about it a little bit, but one is Anthony Miller. Draft day trade for a pick sure. or to better a current pick to get farther up in to get some talent. And that, I think, will happen. I, I'd be very surprised if Miller doesn't get traded for some valuation of picks. And the other one is Akeem Hicks. They tried to move him once. We talked about moving him in the offseason. And again, they are shifting resources from defense to offense. And I would not be at all surprised to see Akeem Hicks moved for a draft pick, again, to either make an additional pick or to try and sweeten a current pick. So the Bears can get more picks without trading down, but it's going to cost players. And I, I would keep my eye on Miller and Hicks. Yeah. Well, that will make me very sad. I, I'm i not talking about the emotional toll because losing a guy like Akeem Hicks would be a bummer. Um, losing Kyle Fuller was a, was a big blast to both of us sort of emotionally. Um, but, you know, sort of buckle up, Bears fans. This is, this is not your dad's Bears. This is a team that is pushing the chips in on the offensive side of the ball, and they're going to go all in. If you think they're not, uh, you might want to recheck that assumption. Yep, it is a cornered animal. They are desperate. So speaking of uh, not desperate. I was going to say, speaking of cornered animals, I want to see how he turns this one around. No, I don't don't have anything. Uh, All right, let's talk about the beers, though, because 
you know, Lions Bridge isn't going to be accessible to a lot of people, but maybe this style is out there for someone. I really like smoked beers. I mean, using the smoked malt, sometimes it can be a little heavy, but I think smoked porters are where I've seen the smoked malts used the most often. This is really fun. It was still light because you just had a lager, but it gave you that smoky taste. And, you know, anybody that likes scotch probably likes a little smoke in their drink and this was really good it just it was still light but it was enough smoke to kind of taste it and i'm a big fan so hellscape from lions bridge yeah i'm thoroughly curious i've never seen a smoked uh smoke malt used in a hellas and that to me is just fascinating from a like when did they think that up there probably sitting around drinking um but <laughs> you know good good guess but most people probably can get a lesion it's widely distributed now that they're part of anheuser-busch um men's room original red um you know, started as a beer for the uh, men's room radio program, which, you know, if if we ever ascend to that level someday, JB, where somebody brews us a beer for bears over beers. Sure. That's it. We've made it. So we've made it. Uh, yeah. If you can pick up men's room red, it's good. It does have a little bit of a malty finish. It's not super sweet. A lot of times ambers tend towards the more sugary, caramely side. This is not one of those. Um this ends up with a nice sort of malty beer finish to it. Again, does have a little bit of amber character to it. I think it's delightful. Not hard to drink. 5.6. You don't want to slam a bunch of them, but in the Northwest, that's middle of the road beer uh, in terms of alcohol volume. So uh, very familiar, very good stuff. Um, if you like the style, I definitely recommend trying some. Awesome. So we want to do something. Hopefully we can get this together before the draft. I know you're very busy. You're on a bunch of podcasts. I'm going to be on the Irish Beer Bear Show uh, on Friday of draft week. Uh, so I'll be recapping round one and trying to preview round two, round three kind of thing and talk to those guys. I know you've already talked to them. So pretty excited. Yeah, it was fantastic. My... They, they run a great show. I, I really enjoyed it. We did a sort of... Uh overall draft preview with them and um i'm excited that you get to go on with them uh very quality stuff so definitely listen in for that and then before that hopefully we can get you a night at some point and we'll talk about this on twitter and announce it on the website but maybe go through another live stream where we go through a draft mock and and talk through some players and then talk through basically what we kind of talked about here is the bears priorities and Maybe we'll try to invite Jacob Infante on, see if he has the time, and, and we'll see if Steven can whip up the live stream, and let's uh, let us go. Let us run. That'd be fun. I, you know, I do that kind of stuff in my spare time, so doing it for people doesn't seem like much of a, much of a stretch at this point. I'm running mock drafts all the time just to try and get familiar with the board, the players, where players typically go off, where runs occur. Um, if you run enough of them, you do start start to get a sense of the draft as its own specific animal and each one is kind of a snapshot it has strengths and weaknesses uh some teams are the controllers they have lots of picks some teams like this year's seahawks have only three picks they're not typically going to be major players um so you just get a sense of how this thing is going to evolve or how it evolves most often um and it's really useful so i would love to do that uh sort of as a live event so yeah we'll talk to steven about that and see if we can get it set up um in the meantime it's just more film uh like you said lots of podcasts and radio appearances 
a bunch of draft focused interviews coming out over at bootleg uh which is bootleg football found on the youtube channel again follow me uh at the draftsman fb on twitter if you want all that information uh make sure to follow at bears over beers for the podcast and if you're going to follow jb it is at gridironborn on twitter so if you follow those three accounts you're pretty much guaranteed to get all the news of when we're going to do things and where um and until then uh enjoy all the smoke and mirrors because there will be plenty here in the last two weeks and bear down